You're listening to the Fanboy Garage Podcast. And welcome to the Fanboy Garage. I'm Chris Lasanti, joined by my co-host, Aaron Varola. Yo, what's up, folks? Welcome to episode 144 of the Fanboy Garage. Once again, it is a pleasure to have you guys with us for another episode. It has been a while, and there's so, so much to unpack. A lot of stuff has happened uh, since our last episode. Uh, the Suicide Squad was released in theaters, also debuted earlier than we expected it to on HBO Max. Uh, the box office is unpredictable, to say the least. Uh, there's been some rumblings of people going to court over big studio releases and then not going over, <laughs> not suing the big studios, and so much more. And then Marvel dropped, of course, their latest uh, Disney Plus series, What If? So we'll get into that. But uh, Chris, let's start with Suicide Squad. Yeah. Or The Suicide the Squad. The Suicide Squad. Yeah, I, you know what? I <laughs> I've had that issue. Um talking to other people about it before and it's like this is the one time where the makes all the difference in the world yeah and it's it's kind of frustrating and i i i'm starting to think that it just wasn't a great title for this movie because yeah. man it's yeah it's rough because Unless usually you drop completely like wash away yeah i mean the is usually <laughs> the a word one. you just get rid of right you drop when you refer to things right because how often do we say like the 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 i mean sometimes you just when you're speaking quickly you just drop the but you can't if you drop the here with this movie it's you're talking about a whole different movie yeah crazy i mean look at universal and the 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 Fast and Furious franchise, right? It was called The Fast and the Furious, and then it's been like Fast and Furious. Yeah, well, that's even worse because, like, with that, you have <laughs> The Fast and the Furious, Fast and Furious. Like, yeah, it's, it, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah that's that's a whole different it's situation. But, yeah. But anyway, um, I, just quick thoughts um, is I loved the movie. Um, yeah. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I actually watched it. So I watched it. As soon as it was released that Thursday night, as soon as it was available uh, at home, of course, and uh, and then I actually woke up the next morning and watched it again, like right away. And I have to yeah. say, I liked it even more the second time. And I think the reason why I liked it even more the second time is because for some reason, when I was watching it the first time, and I don't know if it was just because it was at night. And uh, I mean, it wasn't late, but maybe I was just tired or whatever or not quite ready to watch it. But like I felt like the first like 40 minutes or so or uh, like it didn't grab me for some reason. Mm. Like I, I got I started to get really invested in that movie the first time I watched it after the Harley Quinn, like just a gigolo scene, that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but watching it the second time, I've. Loved the like all of that stuff that I was like, oh, whatever. Like, I loved it watching it the second time. Like, I, I right. thought that that first 40 minutes or whatever was great. So, I, I don't know, whatever that was, just one of those things. Um, mm. but uh, but yeah, I mean, I would have to say that. So, this is very much a James Gunn movie, right? 100%. Like, in some ways, it's almost like 
I, I don't want to say James Gunn's greatest hits because it's gonna people are gonna misinterpret that. But in a lot of ways, it's like if you took the best elements of James Gunn's films, right, and just cram them all together, like they're all here in this movie, right? So like you got elements of like Slither with elements of Guardians of the Galaxy and and even stuff like like Dawn of the Dead, which he wrote, right? And some of it like the trauma stuff, like it's like Mm -hmm. all thrown here on the screen, which because like in Guardians of the Galaxy, you got... You got certain things, right? You got like the use of the popular songs and you got the humor and the quirkiness, but you didn't get the violence, right? Right. And like the over the top, like that type of stuff. Um, And Slither, which is more of like a horror movie, there was some comedic elements and stuff, but like you you didn't get like the fantasy, like the superhero-y type stuff. And so like here, like you're getting like everything just thrown out at you, all of his things, all of the things that make his movies fun. Uh, it's hyper violent. Uh, it's there's a lot of blood, right, in this movie, um, and uh, yeah, I mean it's funny. The characters are all great. I mean that's one thing about his movies, right? These characters jump off the screen, right, and they're memorable, mm-hmm. and you you are invested in them, and you you care about them. I mean Polka Dot Man, and uh, I mean these oh, are dude, he was awesome. Yeah, I mean these are characters that. I probably shouldn't care about, but I do. I mean, King Shark was fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and um, yeah, I mean, I just, I loved it. I, I'm i not going to get into comparisons with the, the first movie or whatever. I, it's pointless. It's a different thing it altogether. It is so, so different. You know, and I, but I will say that the Harley Quinn, that scene is one of the most entertaining things that I have seen in a movie in a long time. Yeah. I I loved, I couldn't love a scene in a movie more than I loved that scene. Just everything. The fight choreography, amazing. The mu- mm-hmm. use of the music, the, the way it was shot. For some reason, I feel like Harley Quinn has gotten better with every movie that she's been in. Um, I like her more each movie. Like, I liked her in Birds of Prey, I think, more than I liked her in Suicide Squad, and I liked her in this more than I liked her in Birds... Like, I feel like that character, which has always been good. I mean, I've liked the character in every one of the movies um, mm-hmm. that that she's been in, but I feel like I, I just... I like her more and more with every movie. Uh, I mean, that whole thing, like, that's the type of fight choreography that I was kind of hoping we would get with Black Widow. Um, aside from the over-the-top you know, kind of goofiness of it, but like mm-hmm. that hard, like that's like that stuff that we saw like at the end of Birds of Prey, right? Um, like that real, just like violent, cool fight choreography. Right. And it's it's right. the thing that sets, it's why I really like the idea of like DC doing their thing, right? Letting their directors do their thing and not having to stick with a formula because I feel like, you know, you have room for that. Like that mm-hmm. doesn't work in every movie. It's not going to work with every character. But where right. you can use it, use it. And and that's something that Marvel doesn't do. Like, their stuff is very... It, it is what it is, you know? Everything has to fit. Like, every... Like, the way I, the way I look at it is, like, uh, every puzzle piece shape is different, but it has to fit with the next piece. Then that's very much Marvel's thing, right? Like, it, it can look a little different, but it has to fit with the next piece that came after it and the next piece that came before it. Yeah. Um, whereas like DC is 
I don't know, very, very loose with all that. They're less focused on the universe stuff and more focused on like the characters and the stories, which is something Walter Hamada has always said. Yeah. Um, he would be focused on, and, you know, I think the Suicide Squad is probably that and that and Joker, um, are probably some of the best examples of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the I you know to me, the Suicide Squad. Just because it's it's James Gunn, I know what he's capable of. I like what he's doing. The trailers were hilarious. The marketing was hilarious. You know, um, I was already I was on board for it. And then you know, before the movie even dropped, just kind of hearing all of the reactions from reviewers and other people I'd seen the film. Not that that even matters to me, but like that's always a good sign. Everyone was like praising the film, you know. And yeah. then uh, I watch it. The first like, <laughs> the first ten minutes of, into the film, I'm like, oh my god, this is this is gonna be a trip. This is gonna be a trip. And then obviously we knew that that Starro was was the villain of this, and so still can't believe you know, that happened though. Even I, though I, I knew I mean, it, I, I still can't believe after it that. I was like, Zack Snyder avoided dropping a squid on New York City in 2009, and right. In 2021, we've got a gigantic starfish that's spewing yeah. mini starfishes from his underarms. And, the, well, and this is why, like, everything in due time, because of course. when Zack Snyder made that decision, it was the right decision. It was, 100%. Because we the world was not ready for that. Like, if that no. giant squid had come out of that movie and that time, we were like, what the hell is going... Not us, but, like, most people would have been yeah, like, what yeah. the hell is going on? But now, like everything has opened up and like just like there was a time when people felt like you couldn't do comic accurate like costumes, costumes. for these heroes because it would look yeah. stupid like the whole green goblin thing from from Sam Raimi Spider-Man right right like yo you can't do that nobody will accept it and now people are like no i i want the more comic I mean, accurate the merrier within reason of course but yeah yeah i mean it's just things have evolved beyond uh, that yeah totally totally and this this film is you know, the thing about oh, what you were saying about Harley Quinn is I think the reason why – and I agree with you. But I think the thing about Harley Quinn that I appreciate is that there is less of her. wasn't focused on her. She was – she get, she did her part. Like I wasn't sick to my stomach with like, oh my god, here we go with – that was my problem I had with with Birds of Prey, I, and I can't stand I can't stand the accent and like um, Margot Robbie kind of dialed it. I mean, it's because she had less lines, so. right? <laughs> so I think she she dialed it down a little bit. But um, I think the the main difference between this film, I know we didn't want to get into comparisons to Suicide Squad, but but it's a, it's a it's a huge difference, and I think it's it it speaks to. Um, just writing in general is that you have a central character like Deadshot. Deadshot, De yeah, Deadshot is is our is our like he's our hero so to speak. And I mean, he's a person that Bloodsport you're about. talking about? Huh? Is it? Deadshot? Oh, you're talking about it, Deadshot in the original? Sorry, yeah. Is it, no, 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 no. Is it de not Deadshot. Bloodsport. It's Deathstroke. Okay, yeah, Sorry, you. Not oh, Deathstroke. Bloodsport. You, yeah. Blood you threw me for a second there because I was like, Blood wait, which sport, one are we talking stroke, about? Deathstroke, Deadpool, blah, blah, blah. Bloodsport. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Bloodsport is the character we care about. Like, and we're following. It's his, it's like his story. You know, not, not his story, but you know what I'm saying? Like, he's the Yeah, simple, he's, of course. It's yeah. built, the team is built around him. Yes. 
And that, that to me is the main difference about why I gave a shit about Suicide Squad was because it was like he had something he needed to change, right? He needed to see himself differently. And in Suicide Squad, there's, I mean, there's a whole lot of other problems there, but there, there wasn't anyone to follow. You know, everyone needed their time. They spent a lot of time talking about how they did really cool shit or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And in this, we were just like, no, they're these are badass people. They're blowing up shit. Homeboy's killing birds with, you know, little bird uh, birds with a ball. And King Shark is a boss. All of that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, it was, <laughs> I, I watched it three times. And yeah, that's like the, I that's almost like the watched only... it a third time, but time got away from me. I was going to watch it that Sunday as well, and then I just didn't yeah. get a chance. I mean, it's the only DCU or DC film outside of like Man of Steel. Um, trying, I'm trying to see if I'm accurate here. I think Man of Steel. Uh, yeah, that I've watched three times. Man of Steel, I've watched more than three times, but. Um, and there's lots. There's just so much stuff to chew on, and it's it's hilarious. It's a funny ass movie, from start to finish. And um, you know, yeah. I think it uh, it saves this property um, for being its own franchise, a successful one, um, and like continuing, you know, continuing to tell some really cool stories and like just pulling some obscure villains, yeah, and pulling them into. I mean, the polka dot man. Sure. Fantastic. He was amazing. Yeah. You know, and I know we, you know, I had said earlier, I didn't want to compare it to the first one, but you kind of opened that door. But one thing I will say is I I did feel like this was a better use of the Suicide Squad than what they had them doing in the first movie. Like, well, they were fighting poop. No, yeah. I mean, I I like the idea of making this more of like a dirty dozen, like go in for a specific mission, covert, like, uh, you know, I like the fact that when this movie starts, like it's already a thing and, and mm-hmm. um, you know, and they're just, I like that idea because it's it, more fitting for the type of characters that they are than to have this, well, we're going to assemble this team of villains of supervillains to to save the world type of thing. It's like, well, but why? Yeah. Like, yes, I understand at the point Superman was dead, but you still had Batman, you still had, you know, in Aquaman, the flat like these heroes yeah. existed. Like you really needed to pull this ragtag group of villains. Like it didn't fit with like the whole like Amanda Waller and like all that Test Force S stuff. Like this concept I like a lot more. Like the fact that they're using them as like a covert Group to cover to up. cover up things and because yeah. it, it also keeps them shady right and you know it 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 allows for that ambiguity with their characters because like some they may not be as heroic as you think type of thing you know and and like nobody trusts people and that's what it should be because if you were going to put together a covert team that was meant to cover up things right and but you you didn't necessarily want everybody trusting each other and you wanted a lot of that like gray area like you would want to use bad guys for that right like you would you wouldn't necessarily want people with high moral fiber if you're asking them to lie to cheat you know to to do totally expendable correct that's that's i feel like it's a perfect utilization for this group and i if they continue to make movies uh, suicide squad movies i'd like it to just continue in that 
vein. Like I, yeah. Yes, you could eventually build to something bigger because as we've seen, they are capable of handling big tasks, okay? Um, but I still want to get more stories of them just like on these like, you know, covert missions and all of that stuff, like, because that's cool. And that's, it just, yeah. there's a lot of cool character work that can be involved in that and all of that stuff because, you know, anyway, I mean, like the stuff with Peacemaker yeah, and, and, awesome. um, and Bloodsport, like, that was cool. That was awesome. And and it's it's because of the fact that they're doing this like covert, right? And and they're get you know nobody knows whether they could trust anybody or not. Like that's those are fascinating stories. Um, I mean, the fact that when it opens with like two separate teams, yes, running point, and like one team just totally gets wiped out. I, I like that. That to me, I was I, I thought it was hilarious. I literally laughed out loud. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Yeah, and it sets you know, like, the tone. on the other side of the yeah. beach. And it, it makes you understand exactly what this is. It's like, oh, yeah. they have no regard for these people. <laughs> yeah, they do not give a shit. No. They and it, you know, care. and they're just, they're criminals, they're in jail, and they're, I mean, that's why it's called the Suicide Squad, right? They're putting it on the line for maybe to get 10 years knocked off their sentence or whatever. But right. nobody really cares, or, you know, at least from like the Amanda Waller perspective, she doesn't care what happens to them. You know, they only, yeah. they have a mission and the mission is the important thing. Um, yeah, it's just great. Um, and the, the the other cool thing too, to me, was that despite the fact that like, you know, it's a main character, I say main characters, but like Captain Boomerang gets knocked off. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean shit because if we've got a multiverse that we're about to, about to crack open here. Um, so who knows if there's another one? I'm sure there is. Uh, right. About. I mean, I wasn't <laughs> you know heartbroken I mean? over that anyway. No, I but... mean, I, I can't stand Jai Courtney in general. Yeah. But But, but I yeah, definitely I mean, thought uh, it was a cool way so to... Um, you know, it was cool because it, it was kind of unexpected, like, in a sense. And... and um, I was like, no way. They just killed Captain... Like, Yeah. What? You just killed Captain Boomerang, like, in the first ten minutes of this film? What? But you know what? And you and then they, all the other ones die, and I'm like, "What is happening here?" Yeah, yeah, that was that was cool. I mean, you know, as for as far as like the people who want to try to f- slot this and try to figure out, like, well, is it a sequel? Is it a reboot? What is it? I mean, to me, it's easy. Like, you could think of it however you want because it you could clearly look at it matter. as a sequel, right? Because when the movie starts, Task Force X is already a thing. Yeah. Right. And we've seen there were a number of characters uh, played by the same actors right from the first movie that are here in the right. beginning. Right. And they some of them already know each other and have a relationship. So in that sense, you right. can look at it as a sequel, uh, even though it doesn't necessarily um, address things that happened in the first movie directly. That doesn't necessarily yeah. matter. Right. It's all about timelines. So in the timeline, you could very easily say it's a sequel. Uh, if you want to just look at it as a reboot, you can do that too, right? Because, yeah. you know, it doesn't necessarily have to connect to the first movie since it doesn't directly. Uh, you could just say, well, they started off here and that's whatever and it's a reboot. Or if you want to look at it as both, a reboot and a sequel, you can do that too because that's essentially yeah. what it is. It really it's is a like Once it, Upon a Time in Mexico from Desperado. Yeah, it's a sequel and a reboot. It's not one of these reboots where like, they're going to retell the origin, which is annoying, right? right? And none of us want those, but no, it's no. so, and that's why that plus the carryover <laughs> actors, I think is what also makes this 
to me clearly a sequel uh, but it's also rebooting things at the same time because it it's changing up the concept a little bit it's adding more to this and um, it's it's going off in a in a direction that you know it's not worried about like building the joker stuff or involving no. batman or any of that stuff and tying into anything else. so in that sense yes it's also a reboot so i, I think you can just however you want to interpret it or if you just want to look at it as a standalone you can do that too yeah um you know i mean there's a lot of different ways you can look at it because it's, it's well done in that sense um yeah i mean here's the thing right so uh so i'm guessing that Harley Quinn, if we were to really think about this, so Harley Quinn's part of Task Force X. She gets away because the Joker picks her up, right? At the end of Suicide Squad, then there's the emancipation of Harley Quinn, and she's running amok with the with the rest of the gals, right? Yep. But then she's back with Task Force X. Well, she's back in prison, and they even say in the beginning, "How'd you get back in prison?" When they get on the plane. Or yeah. the thing, whatever. So, like, clearly, you know, we could just assume she went off on her own and something happened. And she wound up caught back again. in prison. Yeah. Um, back, back with Task Force. Yeah. Actually. I mean, she says what... But clearly she's broken up from the Joker. Yeah. Again. I mean, she says what she did or whatever. Um, right. But uh, who knows if that's even, you know, without those See, types yeah, of characters, if it's true or not. Who cares? No, it doesn't. Yeah, it's like who whatever. Cares? Um Again, if you want to try to fit it, you can. If you don't care to fit it, that's fine too. And that's actually a cool way to do it. Um, Because you can easily slot this in without having to like overthink it or or like retrofit certain things. It fits easily if you want or if you don't care to, that also fits. And Um, and the other thing is they're not building up up to anything, right? Like, uh, you know, a big bad, for, for example, right? Right. So, like, you could have your characters, even your superheroes, not mention anything that had to do with the Suicide Squad whatsoever, because it doesn't matter. Because it's a contained story. One, like, it's just its own thing. That's how. That's how. I, that's honestly. That's how I was looking. I was like, I, you don't even need the connective tissue, right? They mentioned Superman getting shot with a kryptonite bullet. That that's great. Well, and that's, that's also fine. from the comics. I, I don't know. I right, think they right. might have I mean, been. There's a lot of stuff. They might have the been comics. needles or something in the comics. I don't know that they were bullets, but yeah, like Bloodsport does. Yeah. Uh, um, hurt Superman with uh, kryptonite projectiles of some kind uh, sure. in the comics. So yeah. But like, you know, it, it being its own standalone thing, I'm like totally. I'm good with it. I don't need to, anyone mentioning shit about Starro or the Suicide Squad at all. Just leave it. It's good. Yeah. It's on its island. And it's very happy. And that's yeah. all I have to say. Yeah. Because I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed it. I thought it, like I said, one of the best recent DC films Yeah, I've seen. And... um. So now here's the other part of this story with Suicide Squad is the box office performance and all the debate about that. So I am not going to go crazy trying to analyze the box office for this movie because you talk about a movie that had everything, (laughs) a lot of things going against it, right? Um, It's a hard R-rated movie, um, which 
automatically means, you know, in a normal yeah. time, usually that you'll make less money. There's been some exceptions, right, to that rule, of course. But it's an R-rated movie during a pandemic. And unfortunately, even though it did look like we were starting to, I don't want to say get back to normal, but we were starting to pick up a little bit, right? The box office was now with the Delta variant surging, like that's going down now, right? So you got that happening. It's also a follow-up to a movie that while the, the first Suicide Squad made more money than anybody thought it would have... It also did not have very good word of mouth, and it did drop fast and consistently. It had a huge opening weekend and then dropped. So, you know, there is that, you know, diminishing returns, right? So from your usually like a sequel, and again, we'll look at this as a sequel, uh, to a movie that did not have great word of mouth, it's usually not going to do as well. And also the Will Smith factor, right? Will Smith is a star, and Will Smith, I think, helped um, sell some tickets, to that first movie. So you didn't have that either. So there was a lot going against this movie. Also, day and date on HBO Max at no additional cost. Right? And I would think that this is a movie that's probably one of the more anticipated movies uh, that was coming on HBO Max. In fact, based on Samba TV, it was the second mo, which I think only takes into consideration um, smart TVs. Like, their estimates were that it's the second highest, and I think HBO Max actually said it was the second highest, second most streamed, like, opening weekend in their history, uh, and Samba TV estimated that it did 2.8 million uh, accounts or whatever that, that watched it, second behind Mortal Kombat, of all things, which I would not have guessed that that was number one, but mm. somehow Mortal Kombat had a lot of views, Um so, you know, there was a lot of interest in this and a lot of people watch this on HBO Max. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm actually waiting and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong because I didn't see it. Maybe I missed it. You know, where was the angry release um, from theater groups uh, to the trade magazines criticizing Warner Media um, for the box office performance of this movie, blaming it on day and date release like they did with Disney for Black yeah. Widow? I, I don't recall seeing that. I didn't see. I didn't see that. And at all. especially when you consider the fact that at least Disney charged thirty dollars for it. For it. Yep. And and so this was this for their purposes should be even more egregious. And then when you look at the box office performance, twenty eight million in its opening weekend, which is actually under the very moderate modest uh, studio estimates, they were predicting thirty million. Right, mm. and it came in under that, and now this second weekend it just fell off the face of the earth. Seventy percent drop, seven million dollars, fifth place in its second weekend. Um, mm. So the movie's done at the box office at this point. Uh, so much for like the positive word of mouth and all of that stuff, and and that's okay. Again, we're in a different time, so I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, the skies. I'm just curious as to why these theater groups that attack Disney for, for doing what they did are not even angrier at Warner Media. Um, and uh, I have a sneaking suspicion it has to do with negotiations and whatnot because mm. magically Disney now is going to have the 45-day uh, exclusive uh, theatrical window for Shang-Chi. Mm -hmm. uh, which is a first for them. And so we're going to start to see now down the road. I think the fear 
with theaters is that they feel like Disney has that structure infrastructure to do this more than some of these other places do because HBO Max already set the tone by doing it for free. So they clearly don't have the interest in having people pay extra to stream. Uh, so I feel like they, they just felt like that was a bigger threat. But I just I, everybody was so up in arms over Premier Access and how it, oh, bootleggers and this and that and, and the other thing. And then, this you know, but like this to me is an even bigger example of that. And, and I don't see everybody up in arms. They're blaming other everything else, right, for why this movie's not doing well at the box office. So that, that was kind of fascinating to me. Yeah. I mean, talk about a missed opportunity with a movie as big as this. Um, and I'm sure, you know, they, their intentions were to, uh, you know, uh, during coming out of this post, this kind of like post-COVID moment, I should say, you know, as the Delta variant kind of surges, but that people were going to go to the theaters and, but at the same in the same breath, like they knew what they were doing because they were going to release their 2021 you know slate on HBO Max and I still cannot I still cannot get my head around how you, you can't charge for these films I, well, I just I don't I don't get it they they could have they just chose not to because again at the time they were it was a newer service right and I think they just figured okay this will be for a limited time and you know what we're going to try to get a one up on everybody else and we're just going to give this stuff away for free because it'll be a way to market the streaming service. It'll be a way to get eyeballs onto the product. And I don't think they thought that theaters, you know, would be open as quickly as they did, maybe. Um, and, uh, you know, and they were just like, hey, you know what? This year isn't going to be that big a year for us in that sense. You know, like... So maybe they just figured it was it was worth it. And, uh, you know, I don't know. To them, maybe it was. We don't have access to their numbers. We don't know what their expectations were. We don't know if it matters to them, you know, how many people watch a certain thing or don't watch a certain thing. Um, you know, as to me, the way I look at it, unless these movies are greatly increasing subscriptions, like... If you're at a certain point, so if you were at a certain point at the beginning of the year and now we're in August and you're still at that same point, um, if you haven't had a major increase in subscriptions, to me, I don't think it should matter how many people watched your movie on your service if they're already paying for it. Because now you took money away from the theatrical release, from the box office, right? Whereas at least with Disney... Like, we know with Black Widow, they made $60 million in that first weekend, right, on Premier Access. Right. Okay, so you can add right. that to the the box office number, and all of a sudden, you know, the Black Widow numbers look a lot better when you do that. Yeah. And that's money that yeah. went to Disney, and, you know, the theater owners can go bitch and moan all they want. They're full of it, okay? And they're just fighting the future, which is fine, and we've already had that discussion before, mm -hmm. so we know where that's coming from. But from Disney's perspective, like, you know, that was okay, but Warner Media doesn't have that, right? So if, you know, people that were paying 15 bucks a month for HBO Max, if all of them watch, um, I almost said Guardians of the Galaxy, if all, <laughs> if all of them watch The Suicide Squad, 
what does that actually do for them? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it might well, it might I do something. Nothing, but you know what I mean? It's not, not like it's putting additional money in their pockets, really. <sighs> right. Not I like mean, that. granted, you want people, you'd rather have people watching your service than not. But I, I think that if you're if you're taking away a revenue stream in order to do that, then there has to be some balance to that. Yeah. And you this know? is probably why Discovery Plus was like, we're going to take this. <laughs> we could run this better than you, AT&T. It, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, listen, but AT&T, I mean, that whole company has not yeah. been the most well-run ship in the world either. Um, so, yeah, I get it. Yeah. But I just, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, you know... Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, uh, Venom 2 got pushed to October 15th. Yeah. Um, and yeah, People are talking about Spider-Man. They're saying Spider-Man may not come out this year. You know what? Yeah. I, I could see that because, I mean, again, we haven't gotten a trailer yet. Now, it's, it's all. I mean, there's no... Now I'm thinking about the Eternals, really. Well, that's different. I mean, that's, that's, that's Marvel November. Studios thing. Um, as opposed to a Sony thing, but uh, like Shang Chi, you have to think about that's September third. It's an only theater release. Yes, you know there's been there's been a lot of well, there yeah, I don't think a, they're gonna know, some trading of words. I don't think they're gonna do anything with that. I mean, the Shang Chi thing, I I saw, um, you know, the comment that Bob Chapik made uh, about how you know he said this this is an experiment for us and blah blah blah. I think at this point it's August fifteenth. All the media is out on it already. Everything is out. Um, they actually just had a, a pretty good opening weekend with that um, that Ryan Reynolds movie. Yeah, free guy. Over yeah, free guy overperformed. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so maybe that gives them a little bit of hope. But you know, uh, Simu Liu, who's the star of Shang Chi, he, um, you know, he released those this statement. You know, yeah, yeah. basically saying like, oh, this isn't an experiment. It's we're the underdog. We're this, we're that. I actually think reading his reaction, he, um, I think he misinterpreted I, the context agree. of yeah, totally what Bob Chapek was saying. It was like he was skimming the headlines of the Hollywood Reporter and he says it's an experiment. What's an, oh, wait, how do you mean I'm an experiment? Blah, blah, blah. I didn't read yeah. the full statement. Right. Like, hey, dude, you're doing. You are, your movie's the first movie they're doing the 45-day release. Yes, and not it doing an a experiment. premiere access at yeah, all. It has nothing to do yeah. with like what your movie represents Correct. who it's for. It's, <laughs> right. It had nothing to do with that. It was literally a state. This movie is literally an experiment for yeah. Disney. They, it's their first big movie that they're not doing premiere access for, and they're doing a 45-day exclusive theatrical window for that's also a first for them. Like, so that is actually the definition of an experiment. They're yeah. going to forge ahead, releasing it theatrically just to see where things are at right now. And I, I think that will that. help them make a decision when it comes to something like Eternals and maybe, yeah. you know, in tandem with Sony on the Spider-Man thing. Like, that's what they meant. And it, it's the smart way to do it. And it makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah. His, his comments, his comments aside... You know the forty five forty five day release thing is is interesting because um, like Shang Chi, I'm, I'm I'll be honest, it is the movie is my movie. It is my movie. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that is the movie I'm going to see in the theaters. Right. Like I'm pay, I'm going to pay for that and and do that. Um, 
despite what's ha- despite what's happening in the world right now. Right. Um, and but you know a forty five day thing. That's I, well. So is this, it attractive enough for me to be like eh, I can wait? Yeah. No. You know this is what interesting because um, F nine had this right. F9 had the 45-day theatrical window, right. and it has been available now uh, to rent on the different premium video on-demand services, Vudu, Amazon, all that stuff, for a few weeks now. And I, a few times, was like, you know what, I, I, I want to watch it, but there's something about and and it's really weird because I will, I have no problem paying 30 bucks for a movie to watch a movie on its opening weekend at home, right? On premiere access. Mm-hmm. But for some reason I have an issue paying 20 bucks to rent a movie for on video on demand 45 days after it's been in theaters. Like it's a psychological thing, I assume, because I feel like at this point, like once I've missed the initial theatrical run, like I feel like I'm either going to buy it for $20 Right or I'll just, like I don't I almost feel like now it's like what if I like I'll just wait another couple of months and just buy it for twenty dollars and then have it like yeah. I, it's a weird thing because like you know if you told me like hey you could watch it at home in its opening weekend for twenty bucks I would have but there's something about like once it gets past like the forty five days almost two months it's like I guess it's just again it's ingrained in me that it's like it's that psychological thing where it's like now I feel like we're in the home video phase and like I, I just can't see myself now forty five days later or sixty days later paying twenty bucks just to rent something that I might want to yeah. buy for twenty dollars in another couple of months, like if I really right. like it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing that. You know, so like with Black Widow, uh, it was thirty bucks to watch it on Premiere Access that opening weekend. So I did that and I watched it. It you can now. It's now available to buy for thirty bucks on Vudu, and I would assume Amazon as well. I saw it on right. Vudu today, so like. That's different. Like, if I could buy F9 for 20 bucks right now, I would. Yeah. Um, but, so, I, I just, I, when, I don't, I guess it depends on how Disney's going to handle it, because. It has, uh, it has to go Premier Access, you, you think, right? Like Not after 45 days, I wouldn't, they're not going to do Premier Access, but they might do what they're doing with Black Widow, and they might just put it up. Like, throw it out there? Yeah, I mean, because. So then why not do Premier Access? Well. If you can, if you can, if you can funnel, if like I get Vudu and like Apple TV and you know everyone else getting it, Amazon, why not just offer it on premium? Yeah, I don't. You mean after the forty-five days? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a contractual thing. I don't. I don't know. Like, can you still pay to watch Black Widow on Premier Access right now on Disney Plus? I mean, I haven't checked, but. Can you pay for you pay to watch it, or can I just watch it? No, meaning like, can you? Is it still available for premiere access I right now on I Disney Plus? Even, I haven't looked. Yeah, because um, like I said, I know it is available on. Um, I saw it pop up on Vudu today, and I saw it. I was thought it was going to be a rental, but then when I actually looked at it, it's like buy for twenty nine ninety nine. I was like, oh, okay. Um. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not actually sure. I would be. 
So here's the thing. It, oh, so here, here's my thinking then. If it's if I be, put, bought it on Premier Access, it should, and it probably won't happen this way as I'm saying this. I'll finish my thought in a second. Yeah, no. Um, I was thinking that it would pop up in my Apple. Like it would automatically default to my Apple library, but it didn't. Um, and I will check. I will check my Disney. Yeah, well, it is. See if it popped up there, but anyway. it's still in. Like it's still available for me to watch, but it says you have premier access to this movie, so I could watch it and download mm-hmm. it or whatever. But it doesn't say whether you can still actually buy it if you don't. Oh, I got you. Already have it. Yeah. 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 But anyway, so that's my. That's the way I look at it. So, like. For me, the 45-day thing, like, I, I think it's it's probably a good way to do it. It's a nice compromise, even though I do think the future is streaming and day-and-date release. I think for now, it's a nice compromise because most people that are going to watch a movie in theaters will have will watch it within its first few weekends, right? Um, so I think 45 days is even is very generous, <laughs> Uh, I think we'll eventually start to see those windows shrink even more. Universal. Uh, yeah, like right. down to 30 days, maybe even less um, in some cases. But in, yeah. um, more than just universal. I think eventually they'll start to see that go. But I think it's how they handle it afterward. Because, like, for me, a movie, again, like F9, like if you would have told me, well, if you wait 45 days, you'll be able to buy it you know, for $20 or whatever afterward, then I would have been all over that. But now at this point, like I'm going to wait cause I'm not going to double dip on something like I'll, no, and again, no, it's no, a psychological no. thing. Like I will double dip. Like I'll go pay to watch a movie in theaters and then buy it, which is technically a double dip in that sense. Yeah. But I like, I I'm still not psychologically at that point where, um, as ridiculous as it sounds, like where I, I want to double dip and rent a movie for $20 knowing that in a couple of months yeah, I can own the same digital file for $20. Like, that's weird to me. And and I it's just one of those things that I'm not used to right now. And I, I guess I might have I don't to think get I'll used ever do to it. it. I'm, I'm with you. I don't think I'd ever do it. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Like, I'm going to pay the same price I'd pay to buy it right? just to have it temporarily well but i gotta buy it again but like i would do it with premiere access because it's it's a opening weekend thing so it's replacing me actually going to the theater but like for me it's like well i've already waited 45 days or 60 days or longer it's like i can wait another couple of months at this point because and then at that point whatever like, I, I already know what happens, or I already know this, this is, like, it's not, you know, spoilers or whatever. So, it's like, if I've waited this much time, like, now I'll just wait the extra couple of months and just buy it for the 20 bucks, rather than rent it, and then have to, if I love it, I'm going to buy it anyway, because that's what I do, uh, for 20 bucks after the fact. Um, so, yeah, it's just, again, it's psychological, it's it's just some of those things, it's like, are, what are you used to, like, uh some things that don't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, like, I I think a rent-to-own option would be good. Um, but I, I could see where, obviously, the studio wants to make their money. So, you know, that's difficult. But, like, for me, like, a rent-to-own option makes a lot of sense, of course, because I'm the customer. I'm the consumer. Um, but, like, if, I, if you told me, hey, you could watch F9 right now. You can rent-to-own. It's 
20 bucks right now and then when it's available to own in two months or whatever then you'll just have your copy of it will pop back up in your library like i'd be mm. all over that but that doesn't really help the studio it doesn't help um the video you know streaming service distributors and all of that stuff uh i get it so clearly from a from the consumer perspective that's the best way to do it um but yeah i don't know i um well i guess we'll see it's just, again it's an experiment you know like they said it's these are things that the studios are trying to figure out and it's nice though that they're trying to figure it out now rather than you know wait until it's too late right and yeah. and then so it's good that at least the sti- the theaters and the studios are trying to figure out the best way to to navigate this because yes a lot of this is you know due to the pandemic obviously but it's also this was the future and this was something that was going to have to be addressed at some point you know the pandemic certainly accelerated this process but we were heading in this direction anyway yeah. so why not figure it out and and why not use this time when things are just so volatile and and just you don't know what's going to happen to use do this time experiment to, right exactly <laughs> to experiment yeah. and figure out where people are yeah i drink think that water, sir. drink that water yeah i think it's a great way to figure out you know where people are and you know uh what they're willing to do uh what you know what they'll accept like someone like me for instance okay i'm a big movie goer i'm a big movie watcher i have a lot of digital files i go to a lot of all this stuff. like i'm struggling with certain things like again and i'm having like the psychological thing of like well this makes sense to me but this doesn't even though it none of it probably makes sense in the big picture like it doesn't really make a lot of sense that okay I, i'll pay 30 bucks to watch a movie opening weekend that's a rental essentially but i i won't pay 20 bucks to watch a movie after 45 days that's a rental because then i you know so it's like these are things that and i'm not i'm sure i'm not the only person that's mm-hmm. sitting here going through this process in some way shape or form there are people that are like do I want to go to the theater? Do I not want to go to the theater? Do, would I rather watch it at home? What's best for me? Can I wait 45 days? Can I not wait 45 days? Like, you know, th- these are things that now, you know, as moviegoers, you know, we used to have one option. You'd go to the theater and then, you know, you didn't necessarily and, know. And then you, you may rent it or you may buy it. Correct. I mean, and, I mean, you, liked it. you know, we're old enough to remember a time. <laughs> Way back when, when going to the theater was the only way to watch a movie or until it came on television. Right. And, you know, and now going to the theater is almost like for, for some people, it's the least attractive option when yeah. it comes to watching a movie. It's, you know, there's always going to be that you know, the people who love the, the theater going experience and all of that. But so, yeah, this is a very big transitional time. And I, I it, you know, I hate to say that it's a blessing in disguise, but for the theater, for the movie industry, in some ways dealing with this now and being forced to deal with this now at the pace that they have to deal with it, it's probably going to save them a lot of heartache down the road because mm-hmm. they'll they'll have figured out a lot of this stuff on uh, i mean by the time things yeah and just you know it's it, it's just going it, to it's just going to become more of a more of a thing right as as 5G becomes more prevalent yep and you know we're pumping in data like you know at exponential rates 
this is the way it's going to be. This 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 time between now and that that sort of catalyst moment is all experimental. It's all experimental. Um, it, you know, just look at the way that it, you know we just talked about it. The way HBO Max is handling things, the way Disney is handling things, the way Universal is. I mean, no no company is doing it the same. They're all taking pages out of each other's books and trying their own approach right. to see what works for them and what works for their you know what's going to deliver the the greatest bottom line. Yeah. And what get what continues to provide an optimal experience for yes. people who want to consume content. Yeah. And when we say consume content, I mean people who go to the theater, people who yep. want to watch it on VOD. Like, it you know, not every consumer is built the same, so they are testing a lot of waters right yeah. now. Yeah, and how how does it shift the audience? In that, you know, there right. there have always been people that go to theaters to watch movies, right? There have always been people though who never go to the theater to watch movies. You know, we have to remember. Over time, less and less people have been going to movies, right? I mean, yes, movies in some ways make more, but that's inflation stuff. But like the actual numbers of tickets sold in a lot of cases has gone down over time. So there are people that never go to the movies. There are people that that will wait for it to come on a streaming service. There are people that will wait to watch it or buy it on Blu-ray or whatever the case may be, right? So, like, how does that audience get affected by this? Like, can you bring some of that audience back into the first weekend, first couple weekend picture, you know, to make Mm -hmm. up maybe for some of the losses that you've had from some of the people who aren't going to the theaters that were theater going? Like, where does that balance come in? Because there's new audiences that you could gain as older audiences maybe go away. And this is all the type of stuff that they're going to have to figure out, you know, and, um, you know, I, I guess, and they will over time. And it's amazing because Trolls World Tour, right? Was mm-hmm. that what it was? Trolls World Tour? Yeah, World, World Tour. That yeah. is going to wind up being one of the more important movies, like, in, the, in history, in the sense that it was the movie that actually got this whole conversation started. Like in the sense mm-hmm. of like, that was the the proof. Now, granted, it was a different time. People were home. They were locked down. There was no other option. But it was proof that people would be willing to spend money to watch a movie at home in big numbers on an opening weekend. And that's what got this whole thing. It gave the studios confidence to say, hey, you know what? We're going to try this. So... Mm-hmm. It, it's it really is fascinating to see where we've come now in the year and a half or whatever it's been since that uh and uh yeah i mean it, it's a fascinating time um but you know we'll have to see what happens with uh you know with with some of these movies i mean hopefully you know the big picture here is hopefully we can get a grip on this current surge right and and we don't have to worry too much longer about, you know, anything, you know, whether it's safe or not safe or whatever. Hopefully that happens. I mean, that's the the important thing. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to be very interested to see what happens with Shang-Chi, what happens with, um, you know, release dates. <laughs> you know, uh, we'll see about Eternals and we'll see about Spider-Man. Um yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting yeah. time. 
And, uh, you know, as much as I wanted to hope, think and hope that we were done talking about the shifting release date stuff, <laughs> it's like we're yeah. back talking about the shifting release date stuff. Yeah, I mean, so, gosh, I mean, there's and there's still so many other movies that, uh, you know, that haven't been released yet that got moved. Right. So you've got Bond. Um, I forgot. There's, I mean, there's been so many other films that just got pushed. You know what I mean? Like all, like the Marvel slate, obviously. Um, so we'll see, we'll see, man. We'll see. But in the meantime, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and we'll see. We'll see what happens with Shang Chi for real. Because I, I, uh, I really want to see that one in the theaters. But, uh, but I'm cool with doing it at home too. So. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing, too, is, um, you know, the the other not necessarily um, directly film related, but like these streaming services with all the content that they're cranking out too, um, it's almost like I feel like there is going to be a time where it's like you don't you don't have to run out to the theater to watch the new big comic book movie or whatever, because like you're we're like overloaded right with with all the marvel stuff on disney plus and the star wars stuff that's coming on disney plus and the star trek stuff that's on paramount plus um and uh, and all the stuff on warner on um on uh, hbo max you know the, most of it that's still coming right these shows that are going to be developed the <coughs> the peacemaker thing the batman spin-off right stuff right uh, and whatever else they wind up doing, like with all of that content that is exclusive for the home, right? It's like, is the comic book movie going to become less and less of an event thing? Because for years, comic book movies and, you know, the Marvel stuff in particular have become the big event movies. And they have carried, in a lot of cases, the theaters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But if we're just kind of bombarded with so much content, comic book and superhero and sci-fi related content on the streaming service that is meant exclusively for home viewing, like, is it going to make the movies themselves less special, less of that must see theatrical event? Because it's like you might have already gotten hours and hours and hours of superhero and comic book stuff before the movie came out. And it's like, well, right. you know what? I'm good. Do I do mm. I need is this is because don't forget for every, you know, for the people that are like us, most of the people, the mainstream, they are not, you know, they're not hardcore. So they're not people that necessarily need to consume everything. And, you know, that's why the Marvel thing had become so special, because it was like this own genre that they had basically created it was like the Marvel movie became an event. But now, if you're like, I mean, you got WandaVision and, and Loki and, and, you know, What If, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and there's going to be all these other shows coming on, and, and then, you know, uh, HBO Max has their shows, and Paramount Plus has all their shows and all this stuff, and it's like, man, with all of that content, and, and you know, those people watching a lot of stuff at home, like, is that going to be enough for them? Like, is that going to wind up taking away a little bit from the the theatrical experience and i just something else that popped you know in my head because i was like man like i'm even for myself like we went like all we went from like talk about feast or famine like last year we had nothing right 
from Marvel, yeah. and now all of a sudden this year we've had WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki, and now we have What If going on, and right. and we've had Black Widow, and now we're going to have Shang-Chi, and you know, you're going to have you know, Hawkeye, and then you know you're gonna we're going to get hopefully Eternals and Spider Man and all of that like stuff, Ms. and it's Marvel. like Miss Marvel, stuff. yeah, shit's in the works. It's it's hard it's hard to say, you know, because what they're like Black Widow was an unnecessary movie. Let's just say it, right? It's, it doesn't it doesn't do anything. Like maybe the last maybe that Stringer trailer is what really sets it up for the for the bigger the bigger picture. <clears throat> You know, Which ironically movie. is that it's, you know, Black Widow was a movie that, and this is, I guess, ties into what I just said. Like, Black Widow is essentially a movie that exists to set up a Disney Plus show. Yeah, exactly. Which but is the first see, time we've seen that. Yeah, and then Shang-Chi is, is a relatively unknown character, unless you're like a diehard Marvel comic book fan, right? Yeah, I don't care what anybody S- said. There are just not a lot of people reading Master of Kung Fu. No, ser- seriously. Um Spider-Man is the one that I'm interested in because it's a it's a huge. I mean, that's a, that's a level. Of right? course, that's like, cultural icon, right? Stuff. So, yeah. so it's it's hard to say um, if these movies are. I don't want to say skippable, but you know, if you're just like, eh, I've already gotten all this, like you know, MCU stuff. I mean, I could say that with with Black Widow, without a doubt, and maybe Shang Chi, because you know it's a new character, and even the Eternals, again, super new, super out there. But Spider Man and the rest of the kind of like established characters, I don't know if people can just skip out on those films. I don't know if people are going to want to skip out on those films. Um, so I, but it's hard to say. Yeah, I mean, I'm just wondering, just like. It does it lower the bar. Like so, do the 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 movies like Shang Chi or, or even like a Doctor Strange when it like you know the first one or or the Ant Man movies you know the ones that don't do like insane box office numbers. And we don't know what Shang Chi is going to do, but just yeah. I guess in that sense, like do the six hundred million dollar worldwide movies become four and five hundred million dollar worldwide movies or you know like how is this going to work like i'm just curious to see like if blasting people with content especially when your audiences you know mainstream audiences are what are going to elevate movies from like good status to mega blockbuster status like if you're bombarding people like is the the tv experience going to become bigger like i think star wars will be interesting right because like the mandalorian by far is the best received star wars thing right in the disney era sure and it's but the best thing in the which helps right it's the best mm-hmm. thing in the disney era but like there are people talking to me about the mandalorian that have never watched Star Wars, like they didn't see any of the the um, sequel trilogy movies. Like they're not like yes, they know Darth Vader because they're these are you know cultural again cultural icons, right? right? So right, people right. know their pop culture things, right? Darth Vader, Chewbacca, Han Solo, people know that stuff. But like these aren't big Star Wars fans, and that's like the Mandalorian's like their favorite show. But is that going to translate to like are they making new Star Wars fans or? Like that will go to a theater now to watch a Star Wars movie, or are they just mm. making Mandalorian fans? Like, you know, like, and eventually, I just, I'm just wondering how 
all of this content and people watching all of this stuff at home is going to affect box office and the theater experience as well. Because you're you're now not only are you just flooding the market with content, but you're also conditioning people to be home. Yeah. And watch your content. Yeah. Right? So and if you're gonna wind up having more television shows than you are movies, like what does that do again psychologically to people and conditioning people like is, are you going to be viewed as more of a TV studio that does supplemental films? Or are you going to be a film studio that does supplemental television shows? Because I believe that, you know, like with the Disney Plus stuff, they were going to be, the the shows were going to be supplements to the films. But now when you see a Black Widow movie come out and it essentially is setting up a Disney Plus show. And that's, right. it doesn't have a bigger or, purpose. Or a show like Loki setting up the villain for the next wave of. Correct. They they MCU use films. yeah they use Loki to introduce the big bad for right. this phase, and they used Black Widow to set up a Hawkeye TV show, and it's like wow this is the lines are blurry here, and I just I don't know like I, I'm wondering if you know after not getting a lot of content if now people have gotten so much content that they might pass I, on a Shang-Chi cuz they're like well I don't know who that is you know what I'll pass the, on that yeah, and I'll I watch mean, whatever was, the next show is it was kind of like Ant-Man and the Wasp where it happened right after the, yes. the Infinity War mm-hmm. and I mean it, it it made more money than the first movie but you know it I think people ran to go like I think they ran to go see it because you know same thing with Mar- with Miss Marvel. People ran to go see it to go oh my god like we got to get our fix. It's Captain Marvel or Captain Marvel. Yeah, I'm sorry, Miss Marvel. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, ran to go see oh my god is like you know are we gonna get some answers? Are we gonna know what's happened? Blah blah blah. Nope. <laughs> right. You didn't get any of that, and you know I think I think Shang Chi might be looked at as like. Are we gonna get something setting up? Either it like you know what I mean? I, like I'm curious about what it is, like when it is when it is because now we now we're living in the age of multiverse like of the multiverse right? Is it gonna tie into? It has to tie into the Iron Man stuff, I imagine. Uh, um, probably would make sense. But then, like, where else does it? Go? Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. And you, like, I, and the other thing is, like, the tease of abomination in there is that I think is a right is the right bait to mm-hmm. get people to go like, oh shit, okay, now I should be like, well, maybe potentially, right? Because it was you know, Incredible Hulk is almost like the Not forgotten the MCU film. film. Burp, burp. Yeah, but I I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, want, it's... I just I want to see it because it looks like it just looks like a badass. Oh yeah, movie. absolutely. It like it looks. It looks like a different kind of Marvel film, and yep. I'm in, I'm invested in in like stepping out of the shit that I'm familiar with. Yeah, and but y- to your point, I mean, other people are gonna be like, ah, well, and here's ah. the other thing too, like, you know, so Black Panther is a character that not a lot of people knew, right? But Black Panther was introduced in a enormous movie. Captain America yes. Civil War. Yeah. So MCU yeah. fans had a chance to become familiarized with that character. Whereas Shang-Chi is falling more into the Doctor Strange Ant-Man 
Yeah. Uh, and now you could say, well, what about Captain Marvel? Okay. Captain Marvel was, like you just said, though, Captain Marvel, was, it capitalized on... The post-Infinity the, War. Yes, post-Infinity War and, and marketing. Um, but, um, you know, this movie is an origin story for a character that we have not seen before, that has not been introduced before. Uh, so you don't have that going for you. And, you know, there was a time where if you missed... A Marvel film, like, you had to wait yeah. months in order to see one. But now, if you miss a Marvel film, like, you're going to have a bunch of Disney Plus shows you go watch. Uh, and, you know, you're going to have Eternals, theoretically, coming out in a couple of months. And you're going to mm-hmm. have... You know, so it's like, I'm just curious to see, like I said, how all of the, this abundance of content... And it's not just Marvel... You know, Paramount Plus right now with all their Star Trek stuff and uh, um, Warner uh, HBO Max with, you know, whatever they have cooking, you know, with their DC stuff. Like eventually, I just wonder if we're we're going to have a time where that starts to affect box office more than what they're even thinking. Because everyone's thinking about like streaming and, you know, video on demand for releases for movies. Like, how is that going to be the thing? But, you know, it could also be. You're essentially talking about fatigue. Yeah, fatigue, overabundance of content, and also conditioning people to think that the TV product, because there's more of it, is the A game and the movies are the supplement. Mm. And and I think, you know, you got to be careful to avoid that problem. um, And. and and clearly, you know, they're blurring the lines a little bit because, like you just said, Loki, they used the TV show. See, I didn't think that they were going to use... Uh, I mean, we talked about a, that. Right, one of these Disney Plus shows. I know that they were all going to be connected and all that, but I didn't really think they no would way. use it to introduce, you know, no the big bad villain like that. Because especially I mean, after did, WandaVision, right? Because WandaVision danced around a whole bunch of stuff and we were just like, oh, well, you know what, at the end of the day... It's a Disney Plus show, like, they weren't going to give you too much because the movies are still the thing and whatever. But then all of a sudden, Loki changes the game. And it's like, man. And then, like I said, following that up with Black Widow, which, you know, really just, like you said, didn't really serve much of a purpose, except the main purpose was to set up a Disney Plus show. And it's like, wow, these Disney Plus shows that they have coming up are pretty exciting. And, you know, when you look at Star Wars, it's like, man, all the hype and all the excitement is about Disney Plus shows, right? So, yeah, I mean, Star Wars, I mean, Star Wars is a little different because they're playing in eras, right? They're playing in specific timelines, which, um, you know, I think I think leaves a lot to be desired, honestly, because there's been a lot of because it jumped around so much, right? You, I mean, you skipped thirty years, yeah, but, into the future. But after that's, a particular- I mean, that's the specifics of the content. But like, I'm talking about the fact that like Star Wars forever was a theater experience. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Now, I don't think I don't think that the Mandalorian, is, you know, the ac- access to the Mandalorian is going to diminish the draw for Star the thought the Star Wars theater experience. I just don't think that's a, I don't think that Well, but is. we're not talking just about The Mandalorian, though, right? I mean, they have a ton of Star Wars shows yeah, that will be I mean, cranking out. And we don't even yeah, know what the, the next Star fag. Wars movie is going to be. Yeah, well. That's kind of what I'm getting yeah, at. That part of, that's yeah, that's the other part of it. So. Yeah. So by Bomb the time Bomb. we get a new Star Wars movie, 
Star Wars I'll may be, have transitioned I'll into be being more of a TV home experience, which is yeah. weird to even think about. Well, I mean, it already is, really, if you think about it. I mean, the Clone Wars, that's a television thing. That, that, that had how many seasons? We, we're just coming off of the Bad Batch, right? The Mandalorian. Yeah. The Book of Boba Fett is coming around the corner. You get the Cassian Andor series. I mean, all of these things, these are all like the, uh, throwaways. The Ahsoka throwaway, series. But... and Yeah, there's a, there's a lot. The Obi-Wan a... that you can't wait to see. And... I actually can't, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> But the big question mark is like, okay, then, then, then like, what's the tentpole look like? And that, that to me is like, there's nothing, you know, I don't know outside of any of the stuff that they, t- that they announced with, uh, Patty Jenkins and Taika Waititi and, yep. and Kevin Feige and all, all like, you know, all of that shit. Like that doesn't even exist in my mind yet because right. it's not a thing. <clears throat> sure. Yeah. I know these other things are in there. That's all the like stuff that we're not supposed to know about, like that we now unfortunately know about because of the times. Like that happened, it's happened since the dawn of time, right? <clears throat> With movies that different people worked on. You know, yeah. James Cameron worked on a Spider-Man film and Tim Burton worked right. on a Superman film. Like that stuff has happened forever, except, you know, now we know about everything. You know, we know yeah. that, you know... Well, they're announcing it, too. They're, you know, yeah. they were like, oh, we're coming off of... Well, because now oh, it's Patty all about... Is just yeah. about... She's releasing... Yep. She's about to release Wonder Woman 84. We're going to yeah. get her on, involved in Star Wars and talk about, yeah. you know, the Rebel Squad, uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's, all, it's all about getting generating hype and headlines right. and, and all that Wonder stuff Woman now. Wonder Woman 84 is like... And yeah. they're like, uh, wow, we're about to Josh Trank you, girl. <laughs> yeah, that's rough, but... Yeah, so let's uh, since we've already started talking about streaming and Disney Plus and shows and whatnot, let's let's talk. Give our thoughts on what if. So we we've seen the first episode, Captain Carter, and yeah, this show is great. I mean, I, I loved it. I I couldn't believe how fast. I mean, yes, granted, it's only a you know half hour show or twenty three minutes, whatever it is, but it it absolutely flew by, and yep. it's. The the quality of the story and the depth of the story just really impressed me. And uh, you know, the the animation style was probably my least favorite aspect of the episode. Um, although I, because I'm a traditionalist when it comes to animation, like I either mm. want hand drawn traditional animation or like pix full on Pixar like CG style animation. Yeah. The hybrid stuff, but but I will say I've gotten used to it though because the Doctor Who animated restorations use a very similar animation style, mm. so I've gotten used to it. So I'm it's not as off putting to me anymore as it may have been Wasn't a few like, years uh, ago. There was a Spider Man show. I think, yeah, you talking about like it was on the, the one that was on MTV. Yeah, the new animated series or whatever that was called. Yeah, yeah it was very similar, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I I've gotten used to it. This I think this animation's a little richer and has a little bit more depth oh, to it. I, I enjoy yeah, it. but um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the 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 thing that really just grabbed me though was the fact that, you know, when I once I wrapped my head around the fact that this is happening in the MCU, like. These are, I think, because it's animated, it's very easy for people to just assume that these are like little side stories, or to use yeah. a comic book's term, an Elseworlds story, right? That 
like whatever but like when you're watching it you realize wait no this is the mcu that we're watching like oh yeah this is the multiverse now actually happening before our eyes Mm -hmm. and it's happening in the context of an animated show where the possibilities are endless which is even more amazing so like this this show is an important show like you know because these are characters that we may see down the road or versions of the characters anyway that we may see down the road that could get you know and i think there's important stories to tell here with this show and that's what takes it to a whole nother level and i think that it's it's absolutely fantastic to give us our first official look at the multiverse Mm -hmm. in animation because like i said you could do whatever you want and and yeah i i'm I'm way more excited for this show uh, after this episode than I was before it Um, because I think in my mind, you know, it's again that psychological thing. In my mind, I had this show as being like, well, it's that animated what if show. It's going to tell these these oddball stories that aren't going to really matter. But that that's not what's happening. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Yeah, I I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that show i think what i um what i loved most about it is <clears throat> one how it, you know the watcher kind of explains the one moment that uh where you know peggy carter deviates from what we're familiar with and how that's allowed now to exist because the multiverse is a thing but things stay true right like Bucky's allegiance to Steve and Steve and Peggy still connecting on, you know, on a, on that level. And, and all of the, they're still the same characters that we already know and are familiar with. It's just very, it's different. It's refreshing. I love, you know, how that one moment now just creates a whole different experience. Um, and I was invested in the story and I love, I love the, uh, the villain. Um, I'm going to like butcher the name of that tentacle monster. Mm. Uh, but like, that's, that's dope. You know what I mean? Like that's a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty seismic villain that they just introduced. And then the fact that she comes out of the portal and it's almost, you know, beat for beat for, from the Avengers when Loki pops out of the port, the portal. Um, and it's still Nick Fury kind of assembling, uh, the heroes of the multiverse. Right. So, yeah, I'm I'm stoked for this series. I I dig I I had dug the animation from Jump. I thought it was I thought it was a novel take. You don't see many shows like that. It's it's like again, the production value that that Disney is putting into all of their Disney Plus shows, even the animation, uh, is top notch. And you 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 would have to expect you know Disney being. Uh, at its heart an animation studio kind of bringing that to the forefront and, and delivering on that is had to be key. And I, um, I, I enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens on the next episode, but I'm sure we'll get, you know, we're going to get a different character now that gets brought into the, uh, into that, uh, into the fold of, uh, of the heroes. Yeah. So. And I love the narration. Yeah. It's re- I mean, it was only a couple of lines, but it's great. Yeah. Just to, to feel, I mean, the voice obviously, you know, Jeffrey Wright's great and, um, but yeah, I just, I love the, the feel of the show. Um, yeah, it's just it's really, really well done. So 
I don't know. And then how many um, how many episodes are we getting of this? I'm not actually. I thought maybe it was eight. Um, because I know like stuff got changed, but you would think with the animated stuff, it shouldn't. The pandemic should not have had as much of an effect. Yeah, um, I'm 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 looking it up now, but I'm not. I'm not really seeing. Oh wait, here we go. Yeah, nine episodes. Nine, okay. Yeah, last one will air on October sixth. Yeah, okay, that works. And they're also working on a second season already. So, yeah, sweet. So that means you know this is this is going to be a a part of the universe, right? So, and they're going to use this concept for all kinds of fun stuff. So it's it's going to be ongoing. So that's even that adds even more weight, I think, to the show. The fact that it's going to continue on, it it doesn't give that one-off kind of feel. Uh, So who knows where this thing is going to go. Yeah, that'll be be really fascinating. And it'll be great. I mean, it also gives us opportunities to see these characters potentially in live action in that capacity. So Sure. If, you know, Haley Atwell comes back as a... You know, full-fledged Captain Carter yep. live action. I'm, sign me up for that yes, shit. Yes, absolutely. Sign me up. The more Haley Atwell, the better. I am down. Wonderful. Yeah. Ah. All right. So that is it. Isn't I it? guess that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll. So I, what if, guys? We'll see what <laughs> happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So on that note. Um, so also for those of you who are listening, we're going to now try to get back on a more regular schedule. Uh, and so, uh, we look forward to that and, uh, you know, be on the lookout, uh, for the Twitter for, uh, some things that we may throw out there, uh, in regards to future episodes, potential content, all of that stuff. Um, as we start to ramp back up to a more regular schedule going forward. So, and of course, thank you to everybody who's continued to support the show and follow us and, you know, interact and give feedback and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, we appreciate all of that. So go to the fanboy garage.com. You could check out our episodes. You could check out our merch. You could check out whatever you else you want to check out. Uh, it's there. Of course, the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the fanboy garage, uh, and uh, you could find me on Twitter at Real CL Mighty. And you can find me on Twitter at Aaron Speaks. Thank you so much again for listening to episode 144. We will catch you guys on the next one. Take care and stay safe. You're listening to the Fanboy Garage Podcast. <laughs>